This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. And then the cleansing, healing power of the blood. In case you don't know it, um, Joe's told you a lot of things about me, but um, Gene and I actually have three children. They're okay. And we have five granddarlings. Can you say glory to God? My granddarlings, um, and I have to admit that, that, you know, they are just the beat of my heart for me. But several years ago, our oldest one, thank you, Gene, uh, his name is Aaron, and uh, he was the first, and now he's, I don't even know, is he 18 going on 19? Dear Jesus, help me. But one day I was coming home, and Aaron was about 18 months old. And I, I had him in the car in the back seat, and I was no further from my house than I am to the back wall. And I, there was a stop sign there, and I stopped at the stop sign, and the Lord said to me, cover Aaron in the blood. And being the very obedient person that I am, I said, why would I do that? He's sitting right there in the back seat. And there's home right there. The Lord said, cover him in the blood. And I said, yes, sir. So I began to just cover Aaron in the blood, wash him in the blood, agree that the blood of the lamb was a guard and a protection over him. I got on in the house, went in. Here's little tiny tot going behind me. And I went upstairs to the bedroom and did not realize Aaron had followed me. And I got to the head of the stairs, and our bedroom was right there, and I turned in, and just as I turned out of the corner of my eye, I saw Aaron, and he had followed me up the stairs. And before I could turn around to pick him up and get him off that staircase, he just went like this and fell backwards down the stairs. And I watched this baby tumble, and about midways down, I saw his neck snap. And my heart just stopped. And I took off, and, by, and he's just tumbling on down the stairs, no kicking, no moving, or anything. And so I ran down the stairs, and I knew that when I got there, I would find one of two scenarios. I would either pick up a dead baby, or I would pick up a paralyzed baby. And I ran down those stairs, and I got there, and he was just laying on the floor, and I picked him up. And he was perfectly fine, except for one thing. He had a blood-red spot right here on the front of his head. That's the power of the blood. And I'm here to tell you, I told you all the other night, I'm a word girl, but I believe in the power and authority of the blood of Jesus. It's cleansing power, it's healing power, it's delivering power, and it's protecting power. And I encourage you. I remember one time the Lord said this to me. He said, if you'll make much of the blood, I'll make much of you. So I encourage you to delve in and find out more about the blood of Jesus. This has been an awesome conference. Thank you for your kind words tonight, Pastor Bob. And um, I've enjoyed being here with you. There's nothing I love more than teaching the Word of God. And uh, Joe talked about when my brother came home and they had said that my mother was dying again. 
And uh, actually, her blood pressure was 30 over zero. And again, no response, no nothing. And um, the doctor, who happened to be a friend of mine, had told me, he said, Belda, I'm turning all the drips off and letting your mother go. And I said, Dr. Kelly, you can't do that. I said, my brother is on a plane on the way home from Germany, and you've got to keep her alive until he gets here. And he said, I can't do it. I never have known why, but nonetheless, he wrote the orders and had the drips turned off. And so then as she just said, Dr. Kennedy comes in, and, you know, that's a long story of me and Dr. Kennedy with her pressing down halls. I have an issue with her and her pressing down halls. And, uh, but at any rate, she comes by. This is on my floor where I'm the charge nurse. And she comes by the desk, and she said, you know, how's Miss Vera? And I told her what the doctors had done and what the doctor had said. And she said, okay, I'm going to go see Miss Vera. And she presses down the hall and goes to see Mom. I didn't even bother to go with her. And uh, so she comes back up, and she said, okay, it's time for church. i got to go. And uh, she said, oh, and by the way, yes, Miss Vera says she's going to live and not die. Miss Vera wasn't saying anything. She was in a coma. And to this day, Pastor won't tell me how Mama's told her she would live and not die. But at any rate, I said, okay, whatever you say. So we go in there, and like I said, her blood pressure is 30 over zero. And this, I was so young. You know, I just, I'm a good Methodist girl. What I know, I'm the third row Methodist girl. We just come into this crazy stuff where people have faith and they believe stuff, you know, regardless of what you can see, hear, smell, taste, or touch, they just believe something different. And so me and my aunt were there, and uh, I said, Aunt Norma, I said, I don't know anything about this stuff. I said, but I've heard something about anointing people with oil. And she said, yeah, you can do that. And I said, well, we don't have any oil, but we got some hand lotion. Will that do? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, I tell you what let's do. Let's anoint her feet. And we'll wait and see if what Pastor said was true or not. And so we put this thing out. We said, if the next time that blood pressure machine cycles, if her blood pressure has come up, we'll believe. Now, see, that is immaturity to the nth degree. You know, demanding a sign from God. His essence, but God is so good, so kind, so gentle, and so merciful. He will meet us where we are. Your faith may not be here yet to say, I've got it when my body still hurts, when the lump's still there. Come on. When your senses, because we tend to live by our five senses, and in actuality, when it comes to faith, if that's what you're doing, you don't have any sense. You catch that? And, uh, uh, but like I said, God is so kind. He's so gentle. He's so merciful. He so wants us to partake of the benefits and the blessings that he has already provided for us. He so desperately wants us to live and not die and decree and declare the glorious works of the Lord so that someone else may know who he is. And that if he loves me enough to do something for me, surely he loves you enough. Amen? Come on now. 
And so at any rate, we go through our little procedure with mama and we sit down and about 15 minutes later, that blood pressure machine cycles. And remember, I'm a cardiac nurse. And when it cycles, mama's blood pressure was normal. That's about eight o'clock at night. The next morning, when my brother finally gets in from Germany, gets to the airport, gets a car, gets to the hospital, and he, he is literally running down the hallway because, you know, I hadn't called. I didn't have any way to call. We didn't have cell phones and all that stuff back then. And uh, he just comes running in the room. I, I know he's thinking, oh, God, please let her have one more breath left before I walk in the room. And he comes charging in the room, and literally Mama was sitting on the side of the bed reading the newspaper. And my brother, he's my big brother. I'm the baby. There's just two of us. So he gets up, be the old one. I got to be the young one. Hallelujah. And so he just looked at me. And I, these were actually my words. I said, don't ask me. Don't even talk to me. If you got a problem with this, you go talk to God about it. <laughs> and mama just smiling. Hey. <laughs> And so I told y'all that story because tonight as I was praying and I said, God, where do we go? Where do we start tonight? You know, if you'll just give me a jumping off point, I'm okay, but I got to know where to start from. And I heard the Lord say so clearly, Jesus has conquered the grave. And I said, well, okay. And he said it to me three times. Jesus has conquered the grave. So in essence, what does that mean to us? We all know that Jesus went to the cross of Calvary. We know that on that cross he died. He suffered and he died and he paid the penalty and the price for our sins to be forgiven. But I'm telling you that wasn't all that was accomplished on that cross. When Jesus hung his head and died, he said, it is finished. What does that mean for us? Everything that the Father had sent him to accomplish had been done. He had paid the price for us to be set free from the holes and the bonds of the enemy, including sickness and disease, because I'm going to remind you, he went to the whipping post where he received the stripes that shred his flesh by which we were healed. Can somebody say amen to that? And then he went to the cross and he finished the process because I taught you the other day that when sin came in, death entered in, but he defeated both of them. Come on, that's worth a hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And yet we are still acting as though it wasn't enough for me. Come on now. I was doing a conference over in Orangeburg, South Carolina several years ago. And about midnight, the Lord woke me up. And he was talking to me. And he, he looked at me and he said, Why isn't it enough? And I said, What? And he said, Every time someone doubts that I have already provided their healing. He said, they 
nail me to the cross again. How many more times must I go? Now, I don't know what that does to you, but it just breaks my heart that we can think that what he did was not sufficient, that the price he paid was not enough. And then if I can remind you again that when Jesus died on that cross, it did not end for him. It ended for the people that were there. They went home. Peter went a-fishing. Come on. But Jesus still had to go and pay the penalty for the sin. The dying on the cross wasn't the fullness of payment. The enemy had to be paid. Justice had to be served. So Jesus ascended into hell. And if you can just envision this, walk with me a little bit tonight. Because I want you to see how important it is to God that you get it. That you understand what he did for you. That you will quit allowing your body to tell you that what he did was not sufficient. And so there, in the darkness of hell, demons attacked him and tore at him. They thought, we have him now. There is no escape. Can you imagine the disgusting, come on, despicable things they must have said or done to him there when they thought there is no way out? We've got you now, oh, son of God. Three days, the torment to pay the price until finally this voice cried out, justice has been served. And with that, glory to God, this ought to make you jump on your feet and shout, thank you, Jesus. With that, Jesus rose up. He went to the enemy and snatched the keys of hell and death out of his hand. And then he stripped him of all of his power and all of his authority. He made a public show of him. Come on. Humiliated him, paraded him like a captive victim. And then up from the grave he arose. Glory to God. Let's shout glory to God. Jesus has the keys. Death has been defeated. The grave has been defeated. And I hear you say, but yes, people still die. Yes, but let me tell you this. They do not have to die sick. And I get that question all the time. Well, if nobody gets sick, how are they going to die? You talk about planting seed. That stupidity gone to seed. Nobody, find, here, here, you a preacher, find it in this Bible that says to die, you got to get sick. No, no. Any takers? No. 
because you're not going to find it in the Word of God. It says, go back and read the accounts of the great fathers. It says, and they slept. And they slept. That's all. When our time is here, God says we can live until we're satisfied. Anybody in here satisfied? Well, glory to God, because I sure didn't want you dropping dead on me tonight. <laughs> but God says we choose. Remember Deuteronomy? Hello. I set before you this day life and death. And in case you don't have sense enough to know which one to pick, choose life. <laughs> nowhere, nowhere does it say, well, now, you know how it is. You got to get sick. You got to suffer. You got to let your skin rot off. Come on. <laughs> Throw up your toenails. <laughs> let your bowels hang out. <laughs> but that's the way we act. You know, I had a lady one time. She had bone cancer. And they had... You know, I, that's why I love my Jeremiah scripture. As for you, I will come with healing, curing the incurable, because they all gave up on you and dismissed you without hope. And that was her case. That was Diane's case. They sent her home. She had bone cancer. It had gone from her skull to her toes. She was in a hospice bed at home. She lay in her bed, and, and her leg hurt, and she tried to just move it to, for a little bit of comfort and watched her own leg break. She had the cubitus ulcers down her back where you could just touch every vertebrae in her back because the flesh had rotted away. On top of that, she wasn't well. She was on hospice. And every day, her family loved her enough to come in and say, we love you. We don't want to see you suffer. We don't want to see you hurt. We release you to go home and be with Jesus. Get out of this. But she didn't go. Instead, I told you earlier the Lord has put power and authority on the inside of us. The same power to conquer death is in us that Jesus had. That's an awakening thought. And she said when her family would leave her, like King Hezekiah, you may know who he was. Asa only looked to the doctors, but Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and cried out to God Almighty. And she said, I would turn my face to the wall and I would say, thank you, Lord, that I walk by faith and not by sight. That's scriptural. I walk by faith and not by sight. And this went on for days and days and days. And every day she got worse. She weighed about 80 pounds. They couldn't even move her to dress her. They would slit a little t-shirt down the back and lay it over her. 
because to touch her, to move her was so painful. And yet every day she believed God more than she believed her body. She believed she was healed, not going to get healed because Jesus had already accomplished it. Lord, I thank you that I walk by faith and not by sight. And then one morning it happened. Her family came in and Diane was gone. She was gone. The problem was they didn't know where she was. Hospice bed was empty. There was no Diane. How could she get up? How could she go? They walked over into the next room, and there she was, sitting in a chair. And they said, how did you get here? She said, I walked. I walked. She couldn't move her leg without it breaking, the bone shattering. And yet, at that given moment, it was so settled in her. I've always wondered, little 80-pound, frail, sick thing, weak, how did she manage to have the courage to move? EMTs came to get her one day because she was really sick, and they refused to take her to the hospital. They said, if we move her, said every bone in her body is going to shatter. Couldn't even move her neck because her neck would break. How do you have the courage, or should I say the faith, to believe God more than you believe your body, more than you believe the words of others? How do you determine this is it? Now is my moment. I've always just wondered, how, how, how did she just sit up, turn, and put her feet on the floor. And I never will forget, I said to Pastor Kennedy, I said, oh, I wonder what it felt like when she felt her feet on the floor. Pastor said she never felt the floor. I said, she didn't. She said, uh-uh. She said, she walked on the word. How many of you are willing to walk on the word of God that says, by the stripes of Jesus Christ, you are healed. I had a young lady. I just believe that if I can share testimonies with you, and you'll know if God did it for them, surely he can and will and has done it for me. This beautiful young lady came to the healing center, and she had a horrible, debilitating disease. She had Crohn's disease, very advanced and the doctors had said, look, we've done everything. There is nothing to do. And said, we will eventually begin to take out parts of your intestine because it's so destroyed by this disease. And you will never, ever, ever be well enough to have children. And so she came to the healing center, and we began to, I like what Joe says, administer the medication of the word. Because Proverbs 4, says that the word of God is life and health and medicine. But anyway, Andrea 
had gone to these doctors and they had done all of these um, scans and everything and they gave her her scans and said, we're going to send you to a specialist for the next step. And so she took her scans home and she laid them on a table and she said that every time she walked by them, they just irritated her. That she knew they were contrary to the word of God that said by the stripes of Jesus Christ she was healed. That God had sent his word and healed her. Contrary to Jeremiah 17, 14 that says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me and I shall be saved. So one day she said, You know what? I've had enough of those things. So she laid them down. Said she went and got her Bible found her favorite healing scripture, laid it on top of those scans, those reports, and said every time she walked by, she said, thank you, Jesus. By your stripes, I am healed and made whole. There's nothing broken, missing, or lacking in me. I am healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Thank you, Lord God. Now, I don't know that that's verbatim what she said, but you're getting the idea. That your word is working mightily in me, cleansing me, healing me, delivering me, protecting me, restoring me. Thank you, Jesus. So then the day comes, she's got to go to the specialist. So she takes her little scans, and she goes into the specialist and hands them the, spe the, the scan things, and they put it up on the x-ray box to look at it. And they're like, we don't understand. There's nothing here. There's no disease here. Your bowel is perfectly healed. There's nothing wrong with it. Now listen, they hadn't seen her. The x-rays, the scans themselves had changed. And they said, we don't know what you're doing here. Go home. See, it matters what you know. It matters what you believe far more than what you can see, hear, smell, taste, or touch. Come on. Faith. Everything we get from God, we get it by faith. And so this story gets better. All during that time she was so sick, you may want to know that she managed to earn two master's degrees. <laughs> so this thing didn't happen overnight. It was a process. Now she was into them when she came to us, but I mean, she'd been standing and believing and trusting God for a while. I want to say this to you. A delay is not a denial. Maybe it takes longer than you want it to. Maybe then you should ramp up what you're doing to bring it forth. One year later, we had the honor and the privilege to dedicate her baby girl to the Lord. When they said she could never have a baby. Come on, y'all. They said, you know, I tell everybody all the time, one day they's going to have their comeuppance. One day I want to meet they. They say a lot. And most of what they say isn't even true. Now, it may be facts, 
but it's not truth because there's only one ultimate truth and that is the Word of God. So let me give you just a few points about if you come to the point that you believe you are healed, then where is the problem? And why isn't it necessarily manifesting in you? Because you see, even though it's already provided, you can disrupt it, you can disable it, and you can deactivate it. You need those three again if you're taking notes? Disrupt, disable, deactivate. Fear, unbelief, religion, tradition can block the blessings. In fact, the day the Lord said to me, he said, it's like having a water pipe. You've got a well full of good, clean, pure water. And, and you've pumped it, but nothing's coming out the spout. Because something has gotten in there and blocked the flow. Many of us have something blocking the flow. It's in us, but it's not showing up on the outside. You got it on the inside, but it's got to show up on the outside. But something is blocking the flow. And let me assure you of this. Anytime, anytime that the healing does not show up, it is not God's problem. We have to be honest enough to examine ourselves. What am I saying? Like, well, I thought God was going to heal me, but I guess not. I thought I had it, but I must not. I went to that healing meeting, and I felt that power go through me, and I thought I had it, but I guess I didn't really get anything because when I got home, uh, I had a pain. You just stopped and blocked that healing from manifesting with your words, with your fear. Well, I know they say I'm healed, but the doctor said, who are you going to believe? The doctor who operates in natural sense knowledge or the great Jehovah Rapha who has infinite wisdom? Whose report will you believe? Is it true what Ephesians says, blessed be the Lord God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed. Is that past tense, future tense, or present tense? Past tense. Has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. It is past tense. God, if I could get you to believe this, when God looks at you, he sees you healed. He sees you through the eyes of his faith. Where do you think? You know, I love this one. Well, I guess I just don't have enough faith. You ever heard that one? I guess I just don't have enough faith. Do you know that's a teetotal lie? It's an excuse. It's like, poor pitiful me, poor pitiful me. I just don't have enough faith. Well, Nothing could be further from the truth because the Word says God gave you the measure of faith. How much is the measure of faith? The amount you need. And where did God get the faith? 
What kind of faith? Well, I just don't have the same kind of faith you have. Really? Where did you get yours from? I know, you ran down to Walmart. Bought it in a bag, right? No. You and I all have the same identical faith we have. What does the Bible call it? The God kind of faith. That's what Jesus said. Have the God kind of faith because you already got the God kind of faith because when God gave you the measure of faith, he didn't have anywhere to get it from but from himself. So God had to give you his faith. So you can never say you don't have enough and you can never say you don't have the right kind. Now, you may not use it. You may not exercise it. But don't blame God for it, okay? That's a hindrance, a block, and a stop to your healing. No. Then it said, well, you know, we're back to that religion and tradition again. We already talked about it, so I'm not going through it. Well, now, if it's God's will... We've already discussed that. It is God's will for all of us to be healed. Would you look at your neighbor and tell him, say, it is God's will. Oh, my goodness. I've already told you wrong words. Depending on someone else. If I can just get to the right meeting with the right person, with the right anointing, thank God for that. Thank God for good preachers and teachers. Hello. <laughs> Thank God for the anointing that removes burdens and destroys yokes. But what are you going to do if you can't get there? My time's up again, but I'm going to tell you this. When I um, took my daughter back to college, by the way, my daughter had what they called lethal asthma. And she had multiple respiratory arrests. And one day, her doctor came out and said to me, he said, Belda said, you know, there's going to come the time when, when we can't reverse this. Now, I loved this doctor, and I respected him and his gifts, his talents, and his abilities, but he is not my God. And I looked at him, and I said, don't you ever say those words over my daughter again. My daughter will not die. Long story made short, God saved her, healed her, and delivered her at one time, and she came off those 14 medications she was on. Amen. Now, I forgot what I was telling y'all. What was I going to tell you? Oh, yeah, I took her back to college. And um, she had been out, been in the hospital. I had to take her back to school. And... Um, we had walked all over the campus of the University of Georgia that's very hilly. And we finally, it's 5 o'clock in the afternoon, in downtown Athens, Georgia, a college town. Woo! And so cars zooming everywhere. And we go to cross the street, and I got in the middle of the street, and my knee went out. And I said, oh, I know what to do. I'll call Pastor Kennedy. She'll drive two hours up here and pray over me. Come on, maybe I can get in touch with Benny Hinn. I don't know if he'll come or not, but glory to God. You know, let me call somebody with an anointing. And I looked around, number one, there was no phone. Number two, they weren't coming. Number three, the cars was 
and back and in front and all around. And my lovely daughter had crossed the street, left me, and was looking back saying, Mama, get out of the street. And I said, well, I would if I could. So I'm like, you know, what you going to do when you find yourself like Diane had nobody to stand with her? Come on. What, what am I going to do? So I took my hands. Believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover is what the Word of God says. So I put my hand on my knee and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to function. I didn't go anywhere. Did I give up? Did I quit? Did I want to be an oily spot on the street when one of those crazy college kids ran over me? No. So, once again, you know the saying, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. This time I put my hand on my knee and I said, I mean it this time. <laughs> I just was trying it out the first time. I mean it this time. In the name of Jesus, I command you to function and walk. And I took a little baby step and another step and another step till I walked out of that street, got in my car, and drove the two hours home. See, it matters what you know, and it matters what you do with what you know, and it matters that you don't stop and block your own healing that's inside of you, and God's waiting to pull it out of you by your faith. I could tell you a lot more, but let me just say this. Once that healing power goes in you, you can either let it be active or you can let it be dormant. You remember what Paul told Timothy? Stir up the gifts inside of you. Healing is a marvelous gift. And it came at a very expensive price. So what you need to do is stir it up. It's kind of like, you know, when a fire dies down and it's just little glowing embers and it's not putting out a lot of heat, but you can get yourself a fire poker and poke it a few times and all of a sudden the flames come back up. Some of y'all need to get poked. Take your spiritual fire poker and begin to poke that thing. Stir it up inside of you again. Know it's there. Know it's active. And then this is the best advice I can give you. If you really want to see your healing manifest, praise God. Dr. Hagen, we love Dr. Hagen. He told the story one time of a missionary this was back in the days before they had vaccines and whatever. And uh, she contracted smallpox. So consequently, it was fatal. And she kept praying and crying out to God and praying and crying out to God to heal her. Please heal me. Please heal me, God. Please heal me. And finally, the Lord stopped her one day and said, through a vision... He gave her a vision of a balance scale. Do you know what a balance scale is? And he said, when your praise outweighs your prayers, your healing will manifest. Amen. And from that moment forth, she quit praying, begging, and asking God to heal her. She began to praise him and thank him that she 
was healed. And she was totally cured of smallpox and lived to tell the story and give God the glory. I'm asking you to do the same thing. Switch from your praying and your begging and go into your believing and receiving and praising God and thanking him for it all the way. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. Yeah.